Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Again, Philippians chapter number two, I'm excited to preach on the qualities of a servant. The qualities of a servant. Here in this passage, we see some characteristics uh, that Christ lays out for us of a servant. This is something that God showed me in my personal Bible reading time that I felt, uh, something that God was speaking to me about that I thought would be helpful for our church family this evening. We're going to start in Philippians 2, verse number 1. We're going to read through verse number 8 to start off this evening's service. The Bible says in verse number 1, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and this is where we find this right here, and took upon himself the form of a servant. It was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to meet together, to worship together, to fellowship, to build community, to have connections. Lord, we are extremely grateful for our church, for this property. Lord, just for the blessings you've given us. God, I pray that we would daily recognize how blessed we are living where we live, going to church where we go to church, serving with the people we get to serve with. And God, I pray today as we spend some time in your word and as we look at your example and how you took upon yourself the form of a servant, I pray that each of us would right now in this moment decide to recognize these characteristics and for our own lives take upon ourselves the form of a servant. That we would look to serve others. That we would look to be used of you. That we wouldn't look for the recognition of man, the recognition of others. That we wouldn't look to make our name great. But God, that we would look to be the servants that you have called us to be. I believe in this church that we have a church full of servants, but Lord, we know that we can continue to grow in this area. And so today I pray that you would help us do just that in your name. Amen. In July of 2018 in Atlanta, Georgia, a man named Kairi was pulled over by a state trooper for his windows being tinted too dark and for making an illegal lane change. When the officer walked up to the car, extremely nice car, the driver and the passenger were kind of moving frantically and the officer knew that something was going on. And From my experience of watching episodes of Cops, uh, I know that when a uh, person in a car is trying to hide things and move things around, that is not very good. And after conducting the typical traffic stop and, and coming to the window and having his light and everything and making that stop, he asked the driver for his license and his registration. The driver, Kairi, proceeded to tell the officer that this was a complete misunderstanding. He said that the tint was legal and he didn't make the illegal left 
the illegal lane change. The officer insisted that he saw the license and registration, and Kyrie said this statement, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? You see, the driver was a famous music artist who was also married to an extremely famous music artist. The officer said, that's fine. I still need your license and registration. The music artist said, come on, let me call my wife. He literally, there's a video of this on YouTube, he literally pulled out his phone and FaceTimed his wife to prove who he was. The officer, not seeming to really care, said, sir, I need you to step out of the vehicle. Well, the reason he asked him to step out of the vehicle is because he had smelt the scent of marijuana in his car and saw a pistol in the passenger side door. Upon inspection and searching the vehicle, the officer found three firearms and a few ounces of marijuana. When the officer placed the driver in cuffs, he made this statement again. Come on, sir, don't you know who I am? You see, he had been so consumed with what he had gained, the popularity he had gained, that he thought that he was above the law. When in reality, he shouldn't be focused so much on who he had become as this artist and what he had gained as far as money and, and, and uh, popularity. He should have been more concerned with the person he had to become, with the person he had become. You see, we are also the same way. We become so focused on our status rather than the person that we are. What did Christ label as a priority? Becoming the person God has for us. In verse 7 of Philippians 2, the Bible says this, that Christ took upon himself the form of a servant. And tonight, for the next few moments, I want to spend some time looking at Christ and these characteristics and taking some of these principles from the greatest servant to ever walk the face of the earth. Uh, a passage, I, I worked at a Christian camp for two summers, and a passage that we used uh, that was kind of the theme for our, our group was Mark 10.45. And whenever someone would say, what time is it? You would always say 10.45. No matter what time of the day it was, you would say it's 10.45. And Mark 10.45 says this, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. It's 10.45. He lived, Christ literally lived what he taught. He lived a life of service. His reason for coming was not to make a name for himself even though his name was great. It wasn't to gain possessions and power, even though he had all the power and he could have any possession he wanted. His reasoning for coming to this earth was to die, to save sinners, and was to serve. See, the life that I live, I need to ask myself, what is my purpose? Is it to become recognized? Is it to maybe move up in the corporate world, to gain earthly possessions? Or is it to become like Jesus, to glorify my Father, and to serve others. And I want all of us to ask ourselves, what is our purpose and what are we living for? You see, service is not a once a week duty that I do at church. I think sometimes we think because I maybe serve in the choir or because I help out nursery, then I'm a servant. No, that, that's a mistake. That doesn't mean that you're a servant. Now that means that you have an area of service, but that doesn't make someone a servant. It's not a religious checklist. Service and serving is a way of life. It's a lifestyle. In this passage, there are some characteristics that Christ lays out for us if we truly desire to live the life of a servant, the life that God has called every single one of us as Christians to live. If you're here, I was going to say inside, but if you're here outside under a tent or in the sun, God has called each one of us as Christians to live the life of a servant. In this passage, there are some characteristics we're going to look at. 
The first thing I see, the first point is in verse number two, where it says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. A Christian servant prioritizes unity. What an amazing verse that applies so well to what we're experiencing in this world right now. You see, our world is divided. And what is extremely sad to me, probably what is more sad than anything, is that there's become division amongst Christians. And I want to say first, I'm, I'm thankful for our church. I don't think there's been a spirit of division. Our pastor has said that multiple times. But looking out on social media and whatever, sometimes it can get depressing seeing even between Christians, there's division. Our world is divided. Now we expect division between politicians. We expect that. And we, dis, uh, we expect division between the unsaved. But to see it between Christians is devastating. You see, we have placed our opinions, theories, and our studies above loving our neighbors. Let me say that again. We've placed our opinions, theories, and studies above loving our neighbors. We expect these different people to be divided, but why as Christians are we now becoming divided? Turn your Bibles to Romans 12.10. Romans 12.10. And keep your finger in Philippians. We'll turn back here. But in Romans 12.10, as we look here and we look at this, this area of being unified, and specifically in the time we're living now, I believe that this verse is extremely applicable to what we are experiencing in this world right now. Romans 12.10 says this, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. You see, I'm extremely thankful for our pastor and his heart to stay unified. And I believe that our, our church has done such a beautiful job living this verse out. And as Christians, we need to take serious this verse here in honor preferring one another's. If we're not careful, we can become so concerned with our thoughts, so concerned with our own opinions about everything that's happening in this world that we allow ourselves to isolate and alienate others because they have a different opinion or a different political stance than us. And that should not be the case. 1 Timothy 2 and verse number 4 says, uh, says this, the, uh, Christ says this, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. God did not just come to save those that we agree with politically. God, Christ came so that he might save everyone, not a select few. I, some, I think sometimes, including myself, we are so concerned with seeing, uh, with seeing our political stance and uh, lifted and, and, and what we believe and what we think put up on this pedestal that we don't focus enough on ministering to others. If we were just as concerned with seeing people saved and serving others, as we are concerned about our political preferences and our political agendas, how much work could we do for Christ? Think about that. As much as we spend posting on social media about our political ideas and about our preferences, about the coronavirus and about Black Lives Matter and about all these things, if we spend as much time proclaiming Christ, how much work could we actually get done for Christ? Don't become so focused on our, and myself included, on our political stances, on our opinions and that the world's a problem and this needs to get fixed and we need this politician to fix it. The only answer is Jesus Christ. And I don't want to neglect the need of others because I'm so focused on only ministering to those that agree with just me. We forget about the truths of Romans 12.10 in honor preferring one another. Not only do I see that a servant prioritizes unity, but a servant possesses humility. A servant possesses humility. Look with me in verse number three of Philippians chapter number two. Verse number three says this, let nothing be done through strife 
or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Humility is an attribute that a servant must possess. Humility is an attribute that a servant must possess. Someone once said this, real servants maintain a low profile. Servants don't promote or call attention to themselves. Instead of acting to impress and dressing for success, they put on the apron of humility to serve one another. Who are we that we should put ourselves above another? Our American culture teaches us, and I tell the teens this all the time, teaches us to love ourselves, to live for yourselves, when God's word clearly teaches us to live for God and to live for others. To live a life that reflects Jesus, we have to stand with people, not above them. To live a life that really impacts people and reflects Jesus Christ, we have to stand with people, not above them. We should not be putting ourselves as Christians on a pedestal. We need to be ministering to others, be the servant that Christ has called us to be. James 4 says this, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Pride should have no place in a Christian's life. We need to seek God's face more than we seek man's approval. We must make more of God's name and be less concerned with our own name. Samuel Morris was born in a preacher's home in New England just two years after George Washington was elected the president of the United States. After finishing his education at Yale, he went to England to hone his painting skills. Upon his return to America, he, rec he was recognized as a gifted artist and was soon in, in high demand. Morris's first wife died while he was away from home painting in Washington, D.C. He did not receive the news until it was too late. In his heartbreak, he turned away from painting and began trying to develop a means of rapid communication over great distances. This eventually led to his discovery of the telegraph. Despite his fame and the many honors that came his way, Morse wasn't proud or boastful. In a letter to his second wife, he wrote this. The more I uh, contemplate this great undertaking, the more I feel my own littleness and the more I perceive the hand of God in it and how he has assigned to various persons their duties, he being the great controller and all, uh, all others his honored instruments. Hence, our dependence first of all on God, then on each other. When we walk in pride and are conceited regarding our talents and accomplishments, we're demonstrating that we don't understand or appreciate the role that God holds in everything that we do. None of us are able to succeed in our own strength or wisdom. We should always remember it is God that makes what we do possible. As Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, he says this, What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Everything we have and every talent we have is given to us from God. We have no reason to be prideful, to be arrogant, but rather to live a life that points back to God and humble ourselves and recognize him for everything he's done and everything he's given to us. Humility is an essential attribute to every Christian that decides and dedicates themselves to be a servant. Not only should we be focused on unity and on humility, but a Christian servant should be selfless. Look in verse number four here, Philippians chapter number two. Verse number four says this, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. A primary concern for a Christian leader should be 
others. My wife and I are about to enter a new season in our life, the season of having multiple children. And uh, when you go from no children to one children, to one child, sorry, I'm thinking children, children are on my mind, multiples. When you go from zero to one, that's a big step. But when you go from one to two, from what I've heard, and from what I see from some of you out here, it's a very big step. (laughs) And uh, my wife and I are excited, but we're definitely nervous. It's not only a big step for us, though. I think it might be an even bigger step for Chandler. Okay, now let me be honest with you. Chandler is the ultimate only child. This dude is the perfect only child. He is spoiled by grandparents. He has more toys than he knows what to do with. He plays with the toy for three seconds, drops it and grabs a new one and will not see that toy the rest of the day. He is spoiled and most importantly, he is the worst. I mean the absolute worst at sharing. He doesn't like sharing. I think that's most kids, but Chandler takes it to the next level. And in this moment right here, my wife asked me to publicly apologize to all the parents in the toddler nursery and to all the nursery workers because Chandler is not very good at sharing. And he wants every toy, every toy that is his, he is not willing to part with. And every toy that someone else has, whether it's theirs or whether it belongs to the church, he wants. And he doesn't want to give to anyone. When he has something, he's so concerned with keeping it to himself and not letting anyone have it. He is extremely selfish. He's one selfish toddler. And sadly, at some times in our lives, this is how we as Christians live, isn't it? If we're being honest with ourselves, there's probably been moments in our life when we become so obsessed with what we have and what we can do for me and for my family that we neglect the needs of others. As someone always tells me, when God blesses, don't be afraid to give it away. You will never regret caring for the needs of others. I haven't lived a long life. I'm 26, but I, from my experiences, I've never regretted and looked back at a time in my life when I've helped someone in need and thought I was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. But I can tell you there were moments where I should have done something. There are moments where I should have done more that I look back and I say, I should have done something for that person. I should have done something for that family. You'll never regret investing in someone. You'll never regret investing in someone. Ultimately, it's that person's choice to choose whether or not they're going to follow God for their lives. Ultimately, if that, it's that person's choice if they're going to do right, but you'll never regret investing in someone in need. You see, over 20 times in Scripture, Christ tells us to love our neighbors. And 10 of those times, he tells us this, to love our neighbors as ourselves. As pastor has said multiple times, I think even a few weeks ago, Christ tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves because our human nature tends to look inward rather than outward, doesn't it? We tend to look at ourselves first. And that's the picture why Christ tells us 10 times in scripture, love your neighbor as you love yourselves because we care so much about ourselves because we make so much of us and we prioritize us. And Christ says, love others as much as you love yourself. As much as you do for yourself, do that and more for others. Invest in people. Invest in someone that's experiencing difficulty in their lives, that's hurting, that's troubled. It's so important to live the life of serving others. 
it's, it's, it's drastically important that we as the church take this seriously, that we take seriously influencing others and impacting others, living a selfless lifestyle. Don't be so focused on what we have, focus on what others need and what you can do for others. Next, look with me in verse number five of Philippians chapter number two. Verse number five in Philippians chapter number two. The Bible says this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We are told to take on the mind of Christ. Christ calls the servant to be like Christ. The greatest example of a servant that we see in all of scripture is obviously Jesus Christ. And we need to be like Christ and see how Christ sees others. He ministered to the leper, the blind, the homeless, the widow, the hurt and the wounded, the sick, the broken. He ministered to those that had nothing to give and nothing to offer him. And we need to follow that example and live a life like Christ to look to those who are in need. Not just look to someone that can give us something in return, who has something to offer us, but those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are in need, our concern should not be, well, what am I going to get in return if I do this for this person? Or what can they do for me if I help them out there? Or, or how are they going to bless me and pay me back more if I invest in this specific person? But Christ constantly in scripture over and over and over again was calling people and ministering to people that had nothing to give him, that had nothing to offer. And as Christians, those are the people that we need to be looking to. Our concern should not be, well, what can I get in return? But how can I impact that life? Adoniram Judson said this, I do not want to be like Paul or any mere man. I want to be like Christ. I want to follow him only, copy his teachings, drink in his spirit, and place my feet in his footprints. Oh, to be more like Christ. And I'm thankful for the Bible where we have men in scripture that we can look to that are great examples and women in scripture that we can look to that were great examples of living a life for Christ. And I'm thankful for, uh, for people in my life who have influenced me that I can look to and many in this church who have impacted me. And I'm extremely thankful for that. But I need to be careful to not put my confidence in someone who I know will probably fail, who will fail because they're human just like me and they're fallen just like I am and they make mistakes. I want to put my confidence in Christ who, the one will, who will never fail me. People will fall. People will fail. People will make mistakes. But God never fails us. The Christian life should be a life that is modeled after our Savior, letting Christ and his word guide my steps and guide my paths. So we've seen that a Christian servant should prioritize unity, should have humility, be selfless, have the mind of Christ. And lastly, we see here, a Christian servant should be obedient. Look in verse number eight here of Philippians 2. The Bible says, in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. There we see humility again and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Obedience can be defined as being submissive to the request or command of authority. Obedience is not just an action, however, but is also my attitude. See, Christ humbled himself and was obedient. You notice that humility always comes before obedience. Christ knew that obedience towards his father would require sacrifice, yet he did not hesitate. He lived a life that was obedient. You know, I often find myself kind of not taking seriously the little things of life. You know, the big moments, the big decisions, I, I, I do my best to seek counsel and to seek God's face and to be obedient. 
But in the little things in life, if I'm being honest, sometimes I slack. I, I, I kind of lack a little bit. And, and sometimes I just kind of try to do my own thing. I start to think that eh, it's not really a big deal if I let this one little area slip in my life. But really to God, it is a big deal. In every area of my life, I want to live a life like Christ and be obedient to God and to his word. To be a Christian servant, God is calling us to, take, to have unity, to be humble, to be selfless, to have the mind of Christ, to be obedient. These attributes are vital to the Christian servant. When we follow these characteristics, what do we see? Look in verse number 9 through 11. We're almost done here. When we follow these attributes, verse number 9, Philippians 2 says this, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, this is speaking of Jesus here, and I want to be careful. I don't, I'm not saying that we're going to be put on a, a pedestal, that we're going to be as the same place of God, but what I am saying is when we choose to live a life of a servant, to follow these examples, there is blessing. Blessings should not be my motivation for service. Rather, it should be the reward when I serve with the right motives. Blessings should not be my motivations for service. God's blessing is real and it's amazing. But my motives for serving should be out of a love for Jesus and for others. So as I wrap up this message tonight, I have two questions. First, what characteristics are you missing and what characteristics am I missing? What area of your life, what area of my life do I need to work on? Maybe it's this area of unity and not creating division. Maybe it's in the area of humility and, and, and kind of putting away my pride. Maybe it's selflessness and not being so focused on myself and what I have. Maybe it's having the mind of Christ, becoming more like him. Maybe it's just in this area of obedience and I, I need to learn to better yield to him and to his word. So what area do I need to work on? Whatever area you kind of look at and say, man, that's, that's something that I need, to, I need to challenge myself with and work on. I challenge you, take the necessary steps that God has challenged us with here on becoming more of a servant. And secondly, as we close, I want to ask you this question. And as I ask myself this question, sometimes I, I have to be honest, I, I really, I failed with this. Are you truly a servant or are you simply a volunteer? Are you truly a servant or are you simply a volunteer? See, there's a huge difference between the two of those things. Volunteers wait to be told what is done. Servants ask what needs to be done. Volunteers get tired of work. Servants are tired in the work. Volunteers pray their work will succeed. Servants succeed as they pray for their work. Volunteers come and go as they please, but servants are pleased to come and stay. Volunteers are faced with ministry problems and servants are faced with ministry opportunities. Volunteers teach the Bible story to others and servants are teaching and living the Bible story to others. Volunteers want to be led in ministry. Servants lead in ministry. And volunteers love the ministry and servants love Jesus in the ministry. Where do you find yourself? If we're being honest with ourselves, we've, we've all been there before. We've all just been a volunteer, doing our religious duty of choir or nursery or greeting or whatever ministry you serve in. We've all been there. 
But from this day forward, I want to make a decision to truly take upon the role of a servant like my Savior, Jesus Christ. Serving with joy and desiring to be used of God and being excited about it. I would encourage all of us to evaluate our lives and not just look at, well, I serve in this ministry. Well, I work in the nursery and I serve in the choir and, and I do this at the church and I do this at the church once a week. And that's great. I'm thankful for the, the many people that serve in our church here. I'm extremely thankful for that. And I'm thankful that I have an opportunity to serve in our church here and that I have an opportunity to come and to be involved in different ministries. I'm extremely grateful for that. But just because you come to church for one hour a week and serve and, and work in a, in a kiddie class or in nursery or wherever does not mean that you're living the life of a servant. So what can we do to change that? How, this, how can I this week look to serve, look to minister to someone, look to help someone who's hurting? Who can I cook a meal for, drop off groceries to, write an encouraging note to? I want to encourage all of us this week and really in our lives to live like Jesus and to simply do this. And I'll close. To, like Jesus, take upon ourselves the form of a servant. To just live a life of service. To do anything I can to help others. To impact someone that's hurting, to influence someone's life. You never know what someone's going through. And when God puts someone on your heart, I want to challenge you. Do something. When God, when God puts someone on your heart to, to do something for, to write a note to, do it. We don't know what people are battling with, what people are struggling with. And in this chaotic world that we're living in, you never know what something that maybe seems so small to you will be so big in someone's life. Like Christ, let's this week and really for the rest of our lives take upon ourselves the form of a servant. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.